Hello, this is Yolanda Murphy, and welcome to this Exceptional Journey podcast, where you will find inspiration to live courageously through adversity, empowerment to live freely despite your past, and ignition to live boldly in your purpose, all by walking the survivor's side of life. Good people. What is up? It is your girl, Yolanda Murphy, back with another episode of this Exceptional Journey podcast. Uh, As always, thank you for clicking over to my little corner of the podcast world um, and spending some time with me. Um, If you read the title of this podcast, you know it's already going to be amazing. Uh, This week, we are highlighting Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week, uh, where we were, am- we, where we are amplifying the voices of young adult cancer patients, survivors, and thrivers, um, so that everyone knows what the heck is going on with us and what it means to be a young adult cancer patient, survivor, and thriver. I have an amazing person that's on with me today, Emily. Girl, how are you? I am so good. I'm excited Wonderful. to be here. Yes, I'm excited yes. to have you. Before we jump in, as always, I uh, always want to connect with you guys because I always forget at the end to give you my socials. So find me at uh, Facebook and Instagram at This Exceptional Journey, um, and then on Twitter at TEJ Podcast. Uh, hit me up. Also use the hashtag TEJ Podcast so we can stay connected. Uh, and then we can always keep this conversation going because, again, our voices are important and they need to be heard. So Let's dive in. Emily, how are you? You're good. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, me too. Uh, This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Okay. So usually what we do uh, first is I'm going to let you intro yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, your story, how you got connected, connected with young adult cancer. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Dive in. All right. So I was born on a rainy Thursday. And then we're going to fast forward. There it is. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) so I um, kind of knew that I had breast cancer for a long time. And I had a, I had a lump in my left breast, um, my PCPs, my OBGYNs said you're young you have no family history you're fine um three years before i was diagnosed i had a mammogram and a diagnostic ultrasound um the what we now know was a tumor they called a cyst um that was in 2017 and 2018 same thing um and then fast forward to 2020 i um so it was march the pandemic was just kind of hitting the united Mm. states and things were getting locked down and i had an upper respiratory infection which people thought was potentially covid Mm. i was tested for covid twice both tests were negative my pcp sent me for a ct of my chest just to see if something was going on kind of my upper respiratory tract or lungs and my lungs were great but incidentally, that radiologist said, hey, there's, there's a lesion in the left breast that needs to be assessed. Um, mm. 
and finally had that appropriately assessed and had a biopsy and it came back as cancer. Um, and uh, so kind of, you know, went through the gamut of finding out you have cancer um, and then, you know, multiple tests to find out what exactly that means. What will I need for treatment? Mm-hmm. Um, thank God, you know, I, I was one of the lucky ones. Um, it was the, the tumor was large at that point. They couldn't do um, a lumpectomy, but they were able to do a mastectomy um, and I didn't need radiation or chemo. Okay. Um, but as a young woman and as a mother, um, you know, kind of dealing with that and recovering from that, uh, you know, just completely flipped my world upside down. And, um, and I, I still feel a lot of days like I'm upside down, but one of the, uh, one of the coolest things was, um, almost immediately after diagnosis, I had, oh my God, I have cancer. Um, and I, happened to know through a friend, um, somebody that knew Stephanie from Young Adult Survivors United and hooked mm-hmm. me up with her and she gave me a call and um, that was, that kind of gave me hope. It's like, okay, there's people out there like me and we can do this and I'm going to do this and, and it's going to be okay. So, um, so here I am. Um, I was officially diagnosed like April 14th. So we're coming up on a year. Yeah. Um, and as of June 19th, I was cancer free. Nice. Um, so trying to, you know, just kind of move forward. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, tell that story because I think it's so important for young women. Um, mm-hmm. It's, be- you know, uh, you don't think it'll happen to you until it does. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so just kind of, you know, advocating not just for myself, but for other women like me, is kind of a, a big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, thank you for sharing your story. Um, and with some of the previous guests, um, it, it resonates yeah. clear uh, that everyone's story is different. You know, all of us were diagnosed at different ages, different mm-hmm. stages. But what completely resonates is the fact that um, sometimes we're not listened to. Sometimes we're not heard. We're too young or, Especially as a woman. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So I completely, completely get that because it resonates with a lot of, a lot of patients. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this. So just to fill you guys in. Uh, you know, I emailed Emily, first of all, she's a total rock star, um, because she's also going to be writing some pieces on the blog. Um, so look out for that. Um, but I emailed her, uh, and she gave, you know, some really great, um, topics, prompts, you know, to write on, to discuss. Um, and I want to talk about some of them, Emily. Hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, one of the things that, uh, <laughs> let's dive in, let's dive in. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to discuss, 
Um, you know, we already touched on the fact that as young adults, we're not listened to, we're too young or you're a woman or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But let's talk about um, what comes from that. So you have the diagnosis um, once you're actually listened to and people are like, oh my goodness, this is really real. Um, but the, the light switch almost of how much your life changes, um, it feels like it's overnight. It feels like mm-hmm. a, a whirlwind of things that are going on. And sometimes it feels like it's hard to catch your breath, um, especially you being a mom, mm-hmm. uh, being a nurse, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't even imagine um, that. But let's talk about the mental health aspect of it and how, how that um, relays into everyday life as you're going through your diagnosis. So for me, I was diagnosed in 2016. So this was some, some years ago, you know what I mean? But you're fresh, like you said, in, in, mm-hmm. in, in a couple of weeks here, it'll be a year for mm-hmm. you. So tell me a little bit of how you think, cause you were speaking of the mental health gaps um, that are present during the process. Um, tell me a little bit about how, yeah, so yeah. Um, you know, so for me personally, um, prior to cancer, I have a history of depression and anxiety. Um, and I, you know, I, I jokingly say, but it's 100% true. Um, my mom is a nurse as well. And she worked at a pediatrician's office where I was a patient. Oh, nice. And, um, like as soon as Zoloft came out, which I think I was about 12, she literally kind of dragged me by the elbow in and told the pediatrician, like, my daughter needs this. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I've been on medication to treat depression since I was 12. Okay. I am now 38. Mm. Um, and have been on kind of since that time through different stages of my life, multiple different medications um, for depression and anxiety. And um, you know, as I've gotten older and my responsibilities have changed, mm-hmm. there are certain things that, you know, kind of hit a little harder and affect those things and, um, you know, make kind of preserving my mental health tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the cancer diagnosis was one of them, but the thing that was, you know, it was, it was literally, I was diagnosed in April in March, the country set, shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, so in March, we are dealing with a pandemic. Mm-hmm. At the end of March, I was laid off because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, in April, I was diagnosed with cancer and I also had to start homeschooling my nine-year-old because mm-hmm. the schools were shut down. Yeah, And yeah. so my world that you know was pretty stable like this literally turned Mm -hmm. like this right right um and in those crisis moments and people will tell you I tend to do best in those Mm. um I thrive in those when Mm. you know when the fire's to my feet I go and I do what I need to do and Mm -hmm. so I was just kind of in this mode of okay we need to do you know school we need to go to these appointments we need to do x y and z um and it was like after everything after my mastectomy after my reconstruction my world just completely started to fall apart Mm -hmm. um and i think as a young adult first of all the resources that they give you for a breast cancer patient all have images of 
women that are 65, 70, gray hair, not me, not working, their kids are grown. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm looking at this literature and I'm thinking, this isn't me. Right. You know, how am I supposed to be okay? Right. Um, you know, what does it mean for me to live after cancer? Um, and, you know, they're telling me, well, if you have a mastectomy or if you have a lumpectomy, you have X percent chance of recurrence. Mm. But that's really based on a woman that is mm -hmm. 65 or older. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, my chance of recurrence is much higher because I have more years to live. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they tell you, okay, you know, we've, we've cut the cancer out, you have no evidence of disease. There's still kind of like, mm, but I'm 37. And what does that mean in five years, in 10 right. years, in right. 20 years? Mm -hmm. um, right. And there's no, there's kind of a gap there. It's just mm -hmm. like they expect you to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, whether you have a history of mental illness, depression, anxiety, regardless, they expect you to be okay. And there's nothing um, that kind of comes after that. And so once I went through reconstruction, and I was done seeing my surgical oncologist, my medical oncologist. Um, I just felt like I was in this void mm. where I didn't have kind of, you know, I had unique needs now right. because I was right. different. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and those needs weren't being met. And that for me provoked so much anxiety. Yeah. Um, to the point where I took myself to the emergency room one night, um, actually had like jugular vein distension, which is just, you can see mm -hmm. your vein here and you can mm -hmm. see your heart beating mm -hmm. and it's 1% from anxiety, but it could be caused from blood clots and a million different things. And I remember being in the emergency room and I was left alone and I knew nurse cause I had walked, worked in the hospital if I pull the call out of the wall, that will be like a panic alarm. Somebody will come. So, you know, people come and they're, you know, putting leads on me and I'm ripping those off and I'm ripping my uh, hospital gown off. And I'm just like sweating through whatever they put under me. And they admit me to do kind of a cardiac workup to figure out what's going on with the JVD. But they never really looked at the reason why I was there, mm. which was clearly this woman is having a panic attack. Right, right. And so I was right. in the hospital for three days and they were getting to dis ready to discharge me with orders for like more cardiac tests. And I finally said, you know what? I need a psych consult. Like, you know, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so I think it's so sad that young people just slip through that crack. They expect mm -hmm. that, okay, you had cancer, you're treated, now you're fine. Go back to work, go back to being a parent, go back to being a partner. And it's not like that at all. Your entire world is changed now. Um, and if you can't advocate yourself, with the, which I think a lot of people can't and don't know how to do. Right. Um, you know, then there, there are some really horrible outcomes there. Mm -hmm.
Absolutely. And you just hit on so many clear points. Uh, number one, you know, because we are younger, um, you know, like you said, the life expectancy that you're giving me with my diagnosis is for someone that's my grandmother's age um, or my parents' age even. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for me mm-hmm. because I'm going to live at least 20 to 30 years after the, the, the person that you're saying whose life expectancy is. Uh, so that definitely hits home for me because, you know, one of the drugs I'm on, I'm on tamoxifen, um, because my breast cancer was hormone positive and, you know, they're finding all of these things that after, you know, cause technically, well, originally they said five years for tamoxifen, right. And then all of this literature started coming out that a lot of women who were taken off of tamoxifen after the fifth year usually had a reoccurrence within the next two years. So they're like, okay, well, no, maybe if we just put them on longer, exactly. (laughs) But then I'm like, well, even after 10 years, Mm -hmm. I still have like 30 years to live. Like we need some better, something better than just adding more years. Where do we go from there? Exactly. Exactly. So I hear Mm -hmm. you on that whole, you know, um, uh, life expectancy and and there being a gap there. And then, like you said, no one said to you, okay, what is causing why you're here? You know, we want to treat mm-hmm. the symptoms, but you don't want to get to the root of the issue. Uh, and that resonates right. so strong with a lot of young adults, because like you said, some, especially depending upon which cancer it mm-hmm. is, um, you know, most cancers, depending upon what they are, like you said, you see older white women with gray hair. I don't see anyone that's my shape. You know what I mean? And definitely no one my age. Oh, no, um, no, so, because black women don't get breast cancer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. 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 And literally there are some people in the African-American community that believe that. Right. They really believe that. Um, oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Let's talk about disparities, girl. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like it is ridiculous. And that's part of the reason, you know, I always say to people, you know, when I first um, finished my course, I finished everything in 2016. So it was diagnosed in February, went through the whole gamut of lumpectomy, chemo, radiation, so that by the end of the year in fall in October, October 5th, actually, it'll be five years for me. um, I walked out and they, like you said, there was a gap. I had very mm-hmm. special needs at this point. Yeah. And you're just telling me to go on with life as if mm-hmm. nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. And the problem, like you said, whether it's because of your ethnicity, whether it's because of your age, but especially because of both of those, is that there were no pillars put in place for us to look to. Mm-hmm. There were no spaces and places for us to lend to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm grateful for Stephanie. I'm grateful, like you said, finding YasU and um, some other organizations along the way. But if it wasn't for knowing someone who knew someone who talked about it. Right. It's terrifying. Like, why don't these social workers know these things? Why aren't they giving you these resources? It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's more terrifying than going through the treatment. You know, when you're going through the treatment, Mm. you have a plan, you know what's going on Mm -hmm. and then it's done. And like you said, you're expected to just kind of pick up where you left off and Mm. be the same you and you are not who you were. No, not at all. So let's kind of, let's lean into that, that new normal. So, you know, you spoke of, you know, going to the ER because you then decided something is wrong. You decided for yourself 
okay, I'm going to take these action steps because something is different. Something is not regular, normal, whichever word you want to use. Um, and you took the steps to do that. And mm-hmm. then not only that, even once you were in the space and place where they could have physically helped you, you then said, okay, no, I need a site consult. Right. I need to get to the root of the issue. And right. I think a lot of times, even leaning into the new normal, a lot of people don't want to get to the root of things because they want to go back to what was. Right. Uh, and that's just not possible to me. You let well, me know what you think. It, you know, and there's a huge stigma, as we know, around mental health. Absolutely. Disorders. So, you know, it's not okay to be depressed. It's not okay to be, to have anxiety. It's not okay, um, you know, to have those feelings. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people are scared to say, I need X, Y, and Z, because it's not okay in our culture to need those things. You're right. Expected to pull yourself up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. and keep on going. And, um, you know, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't mm-hmm. keep on going. Right. Um, and so, it, you know, it was kind of devastating for myself as a healthcare provider myself to see these people around me treating something that really wasn't the root cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, I think, you know, people in my life kind of know that I've had struggles with depression and anxiety, but, uh, you know, this was just so intense. And I think, and I know I'm not the only one out there that has struggled with this, um, it, you know, there, it, it's just, how do I kind of adapt my new life? How do I reacclimate into the world as a cancer survivor? How deal with this anxiety of recurrence? Um, how, you know, I have like huge body image issues you know i i had my breast amputated (laughs) like Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. a big deal absolutely um you know so there there's not there's just not a space for that um and you know i was able to say hey i need help but i think a lot of people don't say that and Mm -hmm. um i think you know if there's if there's one thing that will come from this, from you and I having this discussion, I sincerely hope um, that people realize that it's okay not to be okay. You're not expected to be okay. Right, Um, right. And, you know, I'm sorry that there aren't more readily available resources, but if you take a step, if, you know, you reach out to somebody, um, you know, you'll get where you need to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's crucial, you know, because we have to start. Yes, there are, there are physical changes that take place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only speak for me, almost like I said, being five years out, um, you know, after a while you get used to the scars, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because they've been here for so long, you know what right. I mean? But those mental scars, those emotional mm-hmm. scars of, like you said, your, your world little, literally flipping on its end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't, I mean, at, to me, that's not something that you get used to. No, it you know doesn't I mean? just go away. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, um, a lot of times the social workers or the nurse navigators, um, 
don't have the resources that we need for our specific demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate because like you said, some people don't know how to advocate for themselves. Um, I mean, I'm a huge proponent mm-hmm. in any space I'm in that you have to be your, your biggest advocate is you. Uh, because no one knows your body like you, no one knows, you know, your mental, physical, emotional, you know what I mean? No one knows Mm -hmm. that, but you, Uh, Mm -hmm. so I absolutely uh, agree because, you know, this journey, uh, you know, you and I both had breast cancer, but with any cancer um, that deals with anything externally, it's even more traumatizing, I think, because like it's visible, you know, sometimes when people have internal cancers, you know, a lot of people always hear, well, you don't look sick, but you can tell if my breasts are gone. Okay. Like that, you can tell that, you know what I mean? So that's even more traumatizing for someone that has to continue to go on and continue to push forward. Mm -hmm. And like you said, still be a mom and be a healthcare provider. Um, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of spaces and places don't lend to our voice or to our needs. Uh, which is why, uh, you know, I thought you, like you said, it's so important that people hear stories like yours and know, absolutely, you know, that this is what happened. This is what I did. Um, this is still what I'm dealing with. Let's be honest. We're mm-hmm. all still dealing with things, no matter how long it's absolutely. been. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. That was so good, Emily. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You gotta be your own self-advocate. You have to, you have you to, do. You have and to. it's hard. I, you know, and I think I just kind of got broken to the point where I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Um, you know, like I can't pretend anymore to, you know, so that my mom feels better. My friends feel better. Yes. Like, you know, I, this is me, this is how I am right now. And if I continue on this path, it's going to be really bad, you know, and, um, and I thought about, you know, and not everybody has children, but I thought, you know, what does this mean to my daughter going forward Mm. at the time I was diagnosed? She was eight and now she's nine. And, um, you know, I literally kind of just got to a breaking point, um, I had walked down the hill to the mailbox and I got the mail and there it's a busy street where the mailbox is. And I literally thought, I'm just going to walk out in front of a car. You know, they're not going to see me because you have to come around a bend and, um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just going to be done. I'm done. Yeah. And, um, I stood there for a really long time you know, not because there weren't multiple cars coming, there were, but there was there, you know, there was all of these thoughts like this will just relieve this for me. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have to have the anxiety of recurrence. I don't right. have to have, um, you know, I don't have to deal with the depression of just kind of the space that I'm in right now. Um, and then you start to think about, okay, I have this nine-year-old daughter and, mm-hmm. um, and what would that mean for her? Mm-hmm. And, um, I, tr- you know, I truly think if I didn't have her, I wouldn't be here right now. And, mm. um, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a nine-year-old kid. She doesn't know that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, but it is, um, so, but I think, you know, you need to find your reason. Why are you here? What's your purpose? I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I love nursing. Yeah. Um, you know, but I've done you know, kind of every kind of bizarre 
job um, and have kind of, you know, I can mold myself into whatever. And I think that's part of the problem. You know, mm. if, if you're kind of a chameleon, if you can kind of mold yourself into whatever you need to be, mm -hmm. um, then nobody knows really who you truly are and what mm. you truly need except for yourself. And, mm -hmm. um, and I got to the point where, you know, I've tried every medication, I've tried therapy, I've tried, um, you know, different therapists, different psychiatrists, psychologists, like I said, you know, kind of every medication in the book, some that, you know, would just make me a zombie, some that would mm. make me kind of higher than life, but nothing that really ever took away, um, you know, the, the pain that I was feeling and the trauma that I had experienced and, you know, kind of helped me process that into something that I can use moving forward. Um, and then I found ketamine girl. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, the kind of the hook for me was that, you know, people have almost immediate results from it. It's not a pill that you're going to take and you wait six to eight weeks and hopefully it works, but maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then you try another one. Um, and you have, you know, all these multiple side effects from it. And unfortunately it's not covered by insurance. Mm. Um, and fortunately for me, I have, you know, people that were able to kind of foot that bill. It's, you know, mm. it's just, it's not accessible at this point. Okay. Um, and that's, I think moving forward, something that I love to kind of research and advocate for is, um, you know, how can we, you know, move forward with improving kind of, you know, the mental health of young adult survivors. Um, Absolutely. And it was, it was a miracle for me. I mean, really there's, you know, I went for six infusions, which is the, um, kind of like the standard of care, you do six infusions in two weeks. Um, and after the first infusion, I started to notice that I feel better, I feel better. Wonderful. And after the second one, people around me were like, what's going on? Um, and then I was able to, you know, get out of bed and take a shower, which seems ridiculous, but it was something that was just so hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't just like, I can get out of bed and take a shower. I can do laundry. I can cook dinner. I can do these things. And, um, you know, it didn't take away the things that had happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, but it helped me to process them. Mm. Um, it helped me to put words to what I was feeling. Mm. Um, you know, you still, you know, when you do ketamine therapy, you still do, you therapy and um I'm still on the same medications that I was you know your psychiatrist doesn't stop medications but it literally allowed me to have conversations about what I was feeling um I didn't even know how to put words to it before but I was just completely shut down mm -hmm. um and these things just started spilling out and by or through that process I was able to kind of find a bit of me again. Um, and, you know, does that work for everybody? I don't know. You know, right, it's still right. kind of a new thing, but, um, but at this point it saved my life and um, wonderful. 
and it's and it's allowed me again like I said to find kind of a, a piece of me yeah. I still have horrible anxiety about recurrence mm-hmm. um I still have horrible anxiety going to doctor's appointments <laughs> you know that I never had before mm-hmm. um you know just waiting for them to say oh this could be something right, right. um but the fact that I can live my life in my own space and have a smile on my face and laugh about things and be a yeah. better parent. I mean, I'm sure everybody is thrilled that I'm taking showers again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they're grateful. Um, <laughs> exactly. They were like, this was so worth the cost that we put in. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 just such a shame i think we lose so much of ourselves and um and if there's something out there that can help people if my story can help people if i can hold somebody's hand you know it's just um you know maybe ketamine isn't right for them but but just to be the person that says like hey like i get you yeah this fucking sucks i'm sorry that you went through this Mm um you know and B. Arthur isn't going to be able to do that for me, you know, like no, the Golden Girls. No, literally. Or whoever they have in their, yeah. Emily, I just, whoever they all, have in their campaign slogans. I love you even more because, number one, guys, you know that I absolutely love all old school movies, right? All old school shows, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Dukes of Hazard and Knight Rider. You know, I'm an 80s, 90s kid for sure. Oh my God. Yes. Michael Long, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the powerless, the disease. <laughs> but what I absolutely love is that you just referenced Golden Girls, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. But I say that all the time when, like, when people ask me, like, what it's like to be like a 30 something year old. I'm like, Dorothy, Rose, and Blanche were all in the room with me at the same time. Like I say it all the time because it's the truth. So you're absolutely right. I'm right. sorry. I just had to say that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I mean, no, it's it's true. <laughs> it is true. It's definitely true. And the sad reality, like you said, is um, everything's not for everyone. You know that mm-hmm. that's a reality of anybody's journey with anything. To be honest, not just with cancer. Um, but just because this medicine worked for one person, it may not work for the other. So right. first I want to say, I'm so grateful that you're, you know, you're smiling and showering. That's, that's huge. That's huge. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for that. Um, and then as well, like you said, a lot of times we can't recognize or see the force for the trees for lack of a better phrase, because we can't, we can't put articulate it. We can't, mm-hmm. um, we, we, we feel it, but we don't know how to say it. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. sometimes the most difficult part because sometimes when you can't even verbalize it, you don't know how to fix it or right. what, you know what I mean? And it's, people don't know how to help you. You, exactly. know, you can sit there and just, you know, be bawling exactly. and people don't even know how to comfort you because they don't truly know what's wrong. Right. And, um, I, you know, I equated that to Chunk and the Goonies that, you know, I, <laughs> There's another reference I love. I was going to get to that one too. <laughs> oh, yes. I should have worn my, I have a chunk t-shirt where he's what? doing the truffle shuffle. Yes. It's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> That's another classic. Another classic. Uh, but no, absolutely. And like, like you said, um, 
people don't know how to help us because we mm-hmm. don't really even know how to help ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you were able to find that is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And that it gave you life and strength and, and you know, all of those things um, is amazing. But it, let's be honest, like we said, everything's not for everyone. Right. But the fact that you're sharing it, though, is going to peak interest. Um, like you said, even if ketamine is not for you, babe, I'm still here. We can discuss, right. we can talk. If I can be right. a voice of reason, um, if I have some some like resources or, you know what I mean? Something like that. But right, that's let's figure point. it out. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, that was so good, Emily. That was so good. See guys, this is why I have all these amazing people on the podcast because people need to hear it. People need to hear our stories. They need to know Absolutely. that it's not a one-stop shop. Um, we're definitely not Dorothy Blanche or Rose, okay? But at the end of the day, all of our <laughs> stories, <laughs> all of our stories matter uh, and not just matter, but they mm-hmm. need to be heard by other young adults because during the pandemic, a diagnosis didn't go down because it actually went down. It went down because people weren't getting tested. Cancer was still going on, mm-hmm. guys. Cancer was still being, people were still being diagnosed left and right. It's still going on to today. So there's always going to be a voice needed. There's and always going to need, go ahead. I'm such sorry. a, you know, I, you know, I still think it is, but you know, especially kind of when, when the world shut down, um, you know, every appointment that I went to, I wasn't allowed to bring the port person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a healthcare provider. I'm, you know, pretty savvy with what they're telling me, but when somebody tells you you have cancer, mm-hmm. um, it's just probably you know at least 50 percent of anything they say after that is gone gone i don't um, even hear it and mm-hmm. so you know every test that i went to every biopsy that i went to every physician's appointment that i went to i had to go by myself mm-hmm. um and that like you know one again you're kind of missing everything that they're telling you mm-hmm. um but two, it's just such a lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of that and feeling, you know, so isolated and, you know, you have to be six feet away from your provider and they're, you know, kind of mumbling your diagnosis through a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me as nursing, you know, a lot of, you know, how we care for people is like touch. It's so therapeutic. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I know you're going through, through this, you know, like a hand on a hand or the shoulder, um, you know, and now, you know, you're, socially distanced and again you know you're hearing these things through a mask and you're by yourself and it's just you know how do you how do you move on from that right um you know it's it's tough enough without a pandemic um and you know then you throw that in and you know countless number of young adults men women you know went through that the same way that I did mm-hmm. and are kind of coming out of that and um you know so it's you know I think kind of if my story can help even one person absolutely um then you know then it's worth it but you know I just kind of I'm at the point where I just kind of want to like go out and hug people like <laughs> yeah it's gonna be okay yeah it's gonna be okay <laughs> yeah and it makes a world of difference like literally when you yeah. hug you're just like, oh, let me just melt. It just makes everything better. It just makes mm-hmm. everything better. So, and yeah, I'm grateful. for that few seconds. Yeah, yeah. And people, I mean, especially now, like you said, 
you know, you describing being diagnosed through, through a pandemic, goodness gracious, and mumbling through a mask, your fate, for lack of a better word, and like having to face that alone or even going, I mean, now they allow a support person. Um, but in the beginning, like you couldn't even, you had to go to treatment by yourself. Like you couldn't have, mm-hmm. you know, someone in with you. So oh, all great mm-hmm. things, all great things. And Emily, for sure, your story is definitely going to touch someone I know. Um, because what so. we've gone through, what we've faced, um, although our, our journeys are different, there's always someone that needs it. There's always going to be someone um, in time, like for as long as this podcast can be up, (laughs) there's always going to be someone uh, that needs to hear it, that needs to see the sign of victory, not to be deep, but like you're, you're, you're speaking what you've gone through, what it felt like, what you faced, what you did for yourself, and then how you came out and still facing it daily, but how you're dealing with it, how you're better, how you're stronger. That's, that's de- a definite game changer. That is definitely a game changer. So Absolutely. thank you. Thank you Absolutely. so much for sharing that. Um, the last thing I just yeah. wanted to touch on um, was, so in one of the emails, um, you talked about one of the um, prompts besides uh, self-advocacy we discussed and mental health gaps and, and things like that, uh, body image you discussed, you know, changes, you know, things like that, new normal, you know, all the things, you know. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about this whale of a tale about huge effing foobs and bra shopping. <laughs> let's talk about it, okay? Because I need to know this right. whale of a tale, okay? I couldn't wait. Girl, I let's talk about wait it. Wait right. to ask you this, okay? I was like, oh, I need to hear about this. Let's go. Yeah. So, so first of all, I'm diagnosed with breast cancer during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. My um, surgical oncologist, after I got all the biopsies back, said, you know, there's no way we can do a lumpectomy. You need to have a mastectomy. And so I opted for a bilateral mastectomy. And so my first appointment then with my plastic surgeon was via a Zoom chat. And I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. Like, am I supposed to show you my boobs? My mom said never to do that online. Like, (laughs) oh, we're breaking all the rules. Feels so weird, right? (laughs) Um, And so, you know, like we're going through the consultation, and me saying, you know, some women choose not to get reconstruction. Um, if you do, you can, you know, we can try to get you kind of as close to your like size as you were, or you can go smaller, bigger, totally up to you. And previous discussion, when people were learning that I had breast cancer, they were like, oh, you get a free boob job. And I'm like, girl, it's oh, not a free boob exactly. job. Like a boob job is when they put implants in and you still have breast tissue and nipples and so you're kind of like a normal shape but they're abnormally large I was like I am literally just going to have some pool toys in my chest um they're not gonna be like you know they're not gonna be so um kind of through the entire process I said so my like my kind of just me normal size was 34 C. I said, I just want to be 
close to that. You know, if it's kind of a full B, if it's a small D, if it's a C, I just want to be in that range, you know, with my clothes on, I don't want to look any different. So I had um, my mastectomy with immediate reconstruction. They put tissue expanders in, mm. went through weeks of the tissue expansion, and then I had an expander to implant exchange. And the entire time I was thinking, you know, I know I'm going to wake up with like pool toys in my chest. They're not going to look <laughs> right, <laughs> like regular right. boobs, but it's going to be kind of like, it's going to make me feel kind of more whole. Mm -hmm. And I woke up and the surgeon came in and I was like, you know, what size did you put in? And he said, 800 cc's um, and I have silicone implants. So mm. 800 cc silicone implants is the largest silicone implant that you can get. In the United I was going to say, I, that's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Like, why did you do that? And he was like, well, they fit in the pocket. They okay. In the pocket. And I, I was like, you're a surgeon. You could, you could modify the pocket, you right. know, to fit right. something else in there. Oh my gosh. So, um, you know, for weeks, you know, time for the swelling to go down, things mm -hmm. like, and I'm wearing these like militant surgical bras uh, and, you know, kind of then it's months and I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna try on one of my old bras. I haven't put it on. And I put it on and it was like, I don't even know. It was, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like maybe a bikini for like a two year old, I guess maybe. Okay. Like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> didn't cover anything, didn't hold anything. You know, and kind of I knew in my head, like this isn't a C cup, but like, <laughs> But oh I was like crossing my fingers, you know, maybe. So I went um, and had somebody like measure me for a bra and they do the measurement and they're like, oh, you're not a C, like you're a 34 triple D. I'm like, what the? What? <laughs> so, um, so that's where I am right now. And that's, so I can tell you that, um, when you're bra shopping and you need a 34 triple D or F cup that equate to, um, it's a lot of fabric and a fabric equates to a lot of dollars. Yes, it um, does. so Look, that's, I, you know, that's, I know, yeah, I, <laughs> I know. Okay. I, you are I well endowed. <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. I know all about it. So, and so, you know, during the pandemic and like, I call it the COVID-19. I think many, you know, people are dealing with the same thing. And so I said like, okay, this kind of works with my current body habitus, but I'm really, you know, kind of like pumped up to start working out again. Mm -hmm. Is the weight. Typically if I would lose weight, it rests first. Mm. These aren't going anywhere. Mm -mm. Um, you know, so if I lose that weight, then I'm going to be like tits on a stick. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> So they were like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> tits on a stick. For real. Oh for my gosh. That's hilarious. I didn't ask for this. And it's like, you know, I think some women would be like, yeah, cool. And I'm right. like, no, I didn't ask for this. Like you, you completely. So, um, so it's just a bizarre place to be in. Um, okay. You know, I'm kind of, 
there so there are I still want some revisions done um like not a lot um because I'm at the space where I know like it's never going to be perfect mm-hmm. going to look like breasts mm-hmm. when I'm naked um but you know there's just kind of like some symmetry things and things mm-hmm. um and they said, you know, okay, you know, in a couple of months, if you lose the weight, we can swap them out for smaller implants. And, you know, I'm like, that's another major surgery, mm-hmm. um, you know, to go through and, you know, recovery. And so it's just in this weird limbo with this, with these huge fucking fake boobs. <laughs> 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 and I've like gone through like, so, <laughs> so the other thing is they're cold okay oh like, okay you know they've stretched stretched my skin out like over them so there's obviously no blood supply to the silicone um and so they're cold and i'm a single white female looking for love and uh you know i'm like <laughs> listen i understand honey and, <laughs> and i'm like you know if i'm a, like somebody intimately gonna have you in like necrophilia because i just feel like a corpse like just cold cold like yeah i get it i get yeah, it just cold like. just cold like sorry but um um <laughs> so yeah it's just you know how do you put that in a craigslist ad and i'm right. i mean should i be looking for love on craigslist probably not mm, not craigslist though <laughs> not craigslist though maybe tender bumble bumble i heard bumble's a good one i don't know if i can bumble i don't I've know not, i've not bumbled yet so i'm okay i've not bumbled i have a friend that's a bumbler and uh nothing like serious has come out of it some fun mm. but uh okay okay well she doesn't have you know cold tits on a stick either so it's she doesn't have tits <laughs> on a stick so then there's that no. okay. but there's a fetish for that i'm sure oh, i'm sure a fetish I'll find my for person. everything yeah. of course <laughs> of course oh that is so hilarious so that's a good story okay okay i was like what's the whale of the tail and it, you know what it was like something it was it was like something that was so devastating to me yeah um because it's like one that you know they just don't look like real boobs and mm-hmm. two this is not at all what i expected um mm-hmm. and now it's just kind of okay this is what it is like mm-hmm. i came out of this with my health and you know if i you know like strap them down you know i can kind of you know, pretend like they're the appropriate size for my body but mm. it, but you know it's just like it's really i think it's so I totally accepted having a mastectomy mm-hmm. and losing my breasts because they were killing me. Mm-hmm. It took me a really long time to accept the pool toys in my chest. Mm-hmm. It was like, these just are foreign. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still feel weird to me, mm-hmm. but, um, but it takes you a long time to accept your new normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and so here I am with these like huge fucking foobs. <laughs> boobs oh. well thank <laughs> you for fake tits right whichever um, you prefer yeah yeah okay and if anybody wants to see them i'm an open book i also <laughs> I mean, don't think i'm gonna get nipples <laughs> i mean and that's i mean to be honest that's 
that's your choice. You know what I mean? I think a lot of women go into this, yeah. like with reconstruction. I mean, they look at their options, of course, but it's your yeah. body. It is your body and you have to yeah. do what you feel is best for you. Um, now, unfortunately he put them 800 Absolutely. cc's in you, but, um, <laughs> they just fit. What do you mean? They just fit. I mean, what? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we could, so we did. <laughs> typical man, typical yeah. man, the bigger, the better. No, no, that's not what I asked for. Anyway. anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but I think the key takeaway from the, the fucking big foods is that um that was still your choice though you know what i mean although it is something that's very difficult um and you're still yeah. still you know facing and living with it and and like you said getting used to it and you know later down the line like you said wanting to get revisions and all of those things but it's your body and your choice um and i think a lot of times when people specifically with breast cancer go into it everyone's different um you know i told my uh, i told one of my close friends um you know, cause these are me, these, these are the, I've had tits since I was in third grade. Okay. Um, I've just been well and beautiful like, my whole entire <laughs> life. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, I told my, one of my close friends, I was like, if I were to have a reoccurrence, cause I only had a lumpectomy. If I were to have a reoccurrence, take them take, cause they're not going to kill me. They will yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, they will not. Um, so, but like you said, it's, it's everyone's personal choice and this is what you're choosing to do mm -hmm. you know for you because like you said you wanted to feel more whole again so thank you for sharing that exactly. story I'm gonna I'm gonna and now I feel really whole like <laughs> whole whole okay right <laughs> exceptionally whole exceptionally yeah. whole okay when um, I step on the scale I remind myself that like they weigh like three pounds each there you go so there you go. I always <laughs> yeah. tell my friends, I have little toddlers on my chest. Um, these are infants yeah. that I'm carrying around. Okay. <laughs> but Emily, thank you so, so much for sharing your story with me today. Like I said, Oh my gosh, thank you. I had a absolutely. blast. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I know for sure. Um, someone's life will be changed. Your story will make a difference. I know for sure. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So again, thanks so much. Now, let me ask this. Are you up for people reaching out to you on any social platforms? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Where can we um, find you? If I, so, uh, you know, um, so I, I feel like a golden girl. I'm, uh, no, I don't really understand social media very well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel so terrible about myself. My nine-year-old's like, no, you have to do this. Um, but, you know, on Facebook, I am, um, I'm Emily Lillian. So you can read that way. And then if you want to put like my email, okay. Um, you know, that's completely fine too. If I can help somebody in any way, um, you know, Absolutely. I want to. Absolutely. Awesome. And all of um, her information uh, will be also in the show notes, guys. Um, so definitely send her some love. Um, if you are someone that needs support um, and can relate to Emily's story, definitely reach out. Um, if I know you have huge fucking foobs. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That might be my new social media handle. I think it needs to be. <laughs> I think it needs to be. I don't know why you're playing games. Just go ahead and change it already. <laughs> but um, yeah, so... I know a lot of people will, like I said, will resonate. So guys, please feel free, show Emily some love, reach out to her. If you feel like you want, you know, have some other questions or 
if you just want some support, definitely do so. Um, Emily, again, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story with me today. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll probably do it again, girl. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> All right. Absolutely. I have so many things to talk about. <laughs> girl, and as you can tell, I like to talk, okay? So... <laughs> but guys thank you so much for checking out this podcast episode um please feel free to hit both of us up uh, questions comments concerns um but until next time guys continue to walk the survivor side of life peace